0: Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor.
1: And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot.
0: And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial.
1: So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off.
0: Welcome back to another fantastic and great episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Today, we're actually going to be talking about something that's pretty cool to me. Um, and it is flying with a co-pilot, um, another pilot in general. It can be a CFI, it could just be another pilot. Um, flying with another pilot can always help you make uh, your flight safer, better, easier. Um, a lot of different things, actually. But a lot of people have questions about flying with a co-pilot. So we're going to address some of those questions
1: today. So the first thing we want to discuss are the benefits of having a co-pilot. And Brandon, I don't think we can mention being co-pilots uh, without having a good Top Gun quote. So just want to tell you right now, you can be my wingman anytime. Thanks.
0: Uh, Can I get permission to at least uh, buzz the tower? Uh, Pattern's full. Sorry. Aw, you didn't call me Ghost Rider though.
1: Negative Ghost Rider.
0: Thanks. That's much better.
1: (laughs) Anyway, uh, with another pilot, you know, having a good wingman as your co-pilot can really do a lot for your flight. And with that other pilot, you have two eyes monitoring the instruments, looking out for weather and looking out for other planes. You also have two pilots who are making decisions about the, the weather, the routes, and unexpected situations, uh, especially if something were to happen in an emergency situation. Then you have two pilots to manage that emergency, and two heads are always better than one. And remember how we've always said that everyone has something to teach you? Flying with another pilot, even if they're not a CFI, can give you that opportunity to learn something from them that you might not know yourself. So, Brandon, when you're flying with another pilot, which I know you've done tons of times, how do you decide who does what?
0: Well, before I get into that answer on that question, I'm going to mention something that you said that two pilots are always better than one, and I will actually disagree with that. I think that two pilots are better than one in most circumstances, but only if those two pilots know how to communicate. The problem is most people don't know how to communicate well uh, in general. Um, So the problem is if you have two really strong-minded individuals in the cockpit, then you're not going to have a great delineation of duties and things like that. So two heads can be better than one, but it really has to be thought through and thought out first. So to answer your question about how do you decide who does what, that brings me into that segue as well. Um, you should split the responsibilities in the cockpit. Uh, like for example, uh, we've had Richard Fornaca for the Aero service on the podcast several times. Uh, he and I fly all the time together. I mean, maybe not all the time, but several times a year. And we have split duties, no matter what, every single time. I mean, it's very clear what our duties are.
1: Even as two strong-headed pilots?
0: (laughs) Yes, even (laughs) as two strong-headed pilots, yes. So, for example, uh, when we start flying, one of us always takes radios, and one of us always takes uh, flying. Uh, Depending on what we're doing, if we're testing a plane, normally I fly and Rich uses the radios and then he also monitors all the engine instruments because we're normally doing a test flight on something that we we're changing or fixing or breaking an engine or something like that. So he's really monitoring things on a, on a deeper level that I can um, because he's a, he's a mechanic and a pilot. Uh, so he does that. But if I'm flying with somebody like, let's just say me and Carson are going to go fly, the one thing that I'm going to emphasize more than anything in the beginning of the flight is who is PIC? Who is the pilot-in-command? Sure, both of us have the ability to be pilot-in-command, we'll get into that in a little bit. But one of us is going to be flying the airplane, and one of us is not going to be flying the airplane. Uh, it's really common that C- brand-new CFIs are like taking the controls from students and not telling the students they're taking the controls from them. So it ends up two pilots are flying an airplane, and that's never a good thing. You always want one person to be flying, and the other person be be either communicating with you about whatever they need to be communicating with you about or taking the controls from you when needed, right? So positive exchange of controls is big. It will be on your check ride. It will be everywhere you are a pilot. So if I say my controls, you will say your controls. I will say my controls. There will always be three-way communication when exchanging controls of an airplane. And there should be no one. I even like to go as far as no one should have their hand on the controls unless uh, there has been a positive transfer. I mean, at that there might be a split second where one person has their hand on on a control wheel and the other person has their hand on the control wheel, but it's for a split second. It's not for a long period of time. Uh, it should never have people on the one side of the airplane and then a the left side of the airplane uh, with their hands on those controls. Uh, you can change it up mid-flight, though.
1: That actually brings me to, uh, to a, a question I have. Um, there's been situations where I've been you know, in a a really bad crosswind, but I've had an instructor with me and the instructor, you know, just kind of, I get that sense that he's, he wants to take controls um, or he's, he's ghosting the controls in case anything happens. At what point should I ask him if he wants to take controls or let me land it?
0: Um, You saying that as a student worries me (laughs) because one person should be flying. One person shouldn't be flying. If, if you are following along with that instructor That's one thing, but they should only be there following along with you. I guess you could say, I'm kind of thinking this through following along with you. If they are worried that you're not going to be able to do it, but if the moment that they feel your life and their life or the airplane's life is in danger, they should be taking the controls from you. Now, if you feel that you are not confident, then you should give the controls to that flight instructor instantly. You should tell them before it's your controls and have a good positive exchange of controls. So that's what I would say. There shouldn't really be, like I said, there should be never two people flying an airplane. That's not okay. Somebody should be teaching somebody something and somebody should be learning something if it's a CFI student relationship. So back to what I was saying. So you can change it up mid-flight if you want to change and switch over uh, controls. That's no problem at all. But you need to make sure that you delineate whose responsibilities are changing. So if Carson and I are flying and I've been flying and he's been talking on the radios and monitoring all the the engine instruments a little closer than I've been able to, now we're gonna tell each other, as soon as we have a positive exchange of controls, I am now going to be controlling the radios and you will be controlling the airplane. So that's always a good thing to do. You have to know who's delineated the task, right? You should always have a plan uh, for what you're gonna do. So talk it through, just have more and more and more communication. And one that's almost as important as positive exchange of controls, um, or maybe equally as important—I'll let you decide—is who is the acting PIC if there's an emergency. So, for example, if Carson and I are flying, and we have—let's just say we're flying the Duchess or a Baron or some twin, okay—and we have a single engine out uh, procedure. Let's just say we were doing some maneuvers and it didn't come back on. Now, as the flight instructor, Carson might think, "Hey, Brandon, you're just gonna—you're gonna land this single engine, aren't you?" I'm like. Maybe. It depends. If you're doing great, I'm not going to take it from you. Uh, but if you're doing terrible, yes, I'm going to land it myself. Uh, but there should be an emergency, especially if you have two normal pilots, just two private pilots or two instrument rated pilots in the airplane. You should know who's going to handle that emergency. I would say the person who has more uh, more flight time probably take that emergency as long as they're really current or whoever owns the airplane or or whoever the flight instructor is. It's between you and the and that other person to really decide on who should do that. But the last thing you would want is you'd have an engine fire or an engine out, and you have two idiots fighting for the controls on who's going to land the airplane in a field. Um, that's a surefire way to get yourself killed. So make sure you know exactly who is doing what at the right time.
1: Yeah, uh, it's all about communication. And yeah, like Brian said, that's, that's the most important thing that you have to remember when you have two pilots that you need to communicate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You need to communicate. That's very important. I have a quick story, actually, I remember. So I flew with a student uh, a couple days ago. Um, he's actually a friend of mine. And we we're flying in a Cirrus, and he's trying to get prepped for his uh, instrument check ride. And we were getting, I, I always tell everyone when I'm teaching an instrument student, always expect the unexpected, uh, because you're going to have an expected route, and they're going to give you something different. You're going to expect to hold somewhere or you're, you're going to expect to go on a Victor Airway from a VOR. They're going to give you something different. Um, yesterday was no different. It was very overcast. We had a low overcast layer, like 1,000 feet above the uh, of the airport we took off. And the, the cloud layer was like 5,000 feet thick. So it was hard IFR, uh, at least for a little bit. And they had us leveled off at, I think, 4,000 feet. And at 4,000 feet, uh, we were in hard IFR. And this student hasn't flown that much in hard IFR. Just pop in, pop out. And of course, the controller wants to tell us to do all sorts of crazy things. Climb a thousand feet, turn to this heading, now turn to this heading, now do a 180 degree turn to this heading to the left. Literally, he was vectoring us all over the place in the cloud. And at some point, it was just too much. And I took the controls. I said, my controls... And he, of course, repeated uh, your controls. And I said, my controls, there was a positive exchange. Uh, but I did take the controls. And for a second, I didn't realize why all of that was happening to him. And I realized the plane was way out of trim. And when I took the controls, the nose actually fell down quite a bit. And I actually de- descended 100 feet when I was supposed to be climbing. And that's because when I took the controls, I didn't realize the trim was, was so far forward and I needed it more back. So the reason why I tell that, that story is that that was pretty much an, an emergency situation, or it could have been because we were starting to overbank. We were starting to lose altitude when we were supposed to climb. Spatial disorientation was kicking in. And while the student's spatial disorientation was kicking in, mine was as well. I'm not immune from it, that's for sure. So I had to monitor him, monitor the airplane, monitor myself, and then fix everything that was going wrong at the same time, which was very challenging. Um, But we had a plan, we had it briefed before. If there was something unexpected that came up that I felt he wasn't doing right or he felt he couldn't do properly, I would be the one to take the controls, which I did. And I'm glad we briefed that and we've talked about that several times. And we even talk about positive exchange of controls uh, even in the run-up area before we take off. So it's really something, when you say communicate, 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 It's really all about communication. You have to, you have to communicate with your, your co-pilot or your student in my case.
1: And just like you said, that that briefing is absolutely essential when you have a co-pilot. Um, it, might, it might feel a little bit silly if you're in the run-up and you're saying, hey, okay, I have the controls. I'll be doing this. Um, especially if it's someone you're close to, it, it, in my opinion, feels a little bit weird saying, okay, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. If this happens, then this is what happens. But I don't think it should feel like that at all. It's absolutely essential.
0: It is essential. Yeah, don't, don't feel silly about anything in an airplane. I mean, you're, the, only, the only things that are meant to fly in this world are birds. Okay, we're not a bird. Um, and airplane is a close second. And those are just meant to fly because a human told them they are meant to fly. Uh, so keep in mind, we're in an environment that is hostile to humans. Uh, you need to have those silly conversations or stupid conversations or whatever you want to call them. Um, and ask the dumb questions because you're only dumb if you ask, if you don't ask them. So keep that in mind. Yeah.
1: It's something you need to do on every flight as well. Uh, it's a good habit to get into because even if it's the same plane, same person you're flying with, same airport, same pattern, um, at some point that's going to change. And if you're not in that habit when you're doing it, um, then when you really need one, you're going to be out of that habit. And, you know, use standard terminology to make sure the two you are on the same page, um, you're saying the same things the right way, the correct way, saying your controls, my controls, your controls. Uh, Like Brandon said, that standard terminology, make sure everyone's always on the same page. And again, although there can be lots of pretty much downtime with a low workload when you're just in cruise flight, just hanging out, um, there's not much going on. Make sure to keep the interruptions to a minimum because that's how you miss important calls. You miss everything from either other airplanes near you um, or even weather and above all else, don't stop using your checklist because you cannot assume that your co-pilot will catch things that you won't. So Brian, brings me to our, our next point is when I'm splitting responsibilities with my copilot, and I know you mentioned this a little bit, how do we both log that time? It's a really complicated answer. <laughs> um,
0: so, but I'll keep it pretty straightforward and simple since I, I don't have a whiteboard and we're not talking in front of a classroom or something. Um, but basically uh, you can only have one person be PIC at a time unless a couple stipulations are met. So that means only one person can be logging flight time at a time unless stipulations are met, okay? So if you're with a flight instructor, then the person, the student flying the airplane, as long as they are a private pilot or better, um, actually might be able to be, as long as they're a rated pilot or better, not a student. Let's rephrase it that way. As long as they are not a student or better, um, and they're with a flight instructor, and they're sitting in the front seat. <laughs> uh, if you're sitting in the back seat and you're a pilot, you can never log time. So don't think you can. That's just not going to happen.
1: There's no third in command time. There's no,
0: not anymore. I think you could be a flight engineer and that kind of counted as third in command or I'm probably saying it totally wrong. Somebody who well, either way, experience.
1: 172 does not have a flight engineer. So don't try and get away with that. Your DP That's will true. not think it's funny. Don't worry. I tried. He did not <laughs> think it was funny.
0: <laughs> that is funny. Um, but so if you're with a flight instructor, you can both log PIC, as long as you're not a student. Uh, Now, as a rated pilot, let's just say you're time building and doing cross country hood time. That's what most people are time building for cross country and hood time. That's what you need to uh, become an instrument rated pilot, right? So the way that you do that is just, let's say that we're two private pilots. We want to go fly somewhere. If we're just, let's pretend I'm a private pilot. So me and Carson are flying to uh to vegas i don't know that's close to here and it's far enough away we're flying to vegas only one of us would get to log that time only one of us logs across country logs the total time logs the pic logs everything the other person logs absolutely nothing (laughs) Uh, there's a chance you could i guess the other person you could give that other person the controls and they can log the time that they're at the controls but you can only log the time which you are at the controls So keep that in mind, you're only logging that time. Now, outside of that, you may want to try to split time, right? We call it split time because both people can log PIC at the same time. And that means both pilots have to be rated for that airplane. And one person needs to be under the hood and one person has to be as a uh, safety pilot. So the person under the hood gets to log all the time they're under the hood and they're manipulating the controls. And the safety pilot gets to log all of the time in general. So for example, if Carson and I are flying to Vegas, and Carson is under the hood for one hour, uh, but the total flight time was 1.4, okay? And, and I was at control the rest of the time, okay? Carson would get mm-hmm. to log the one hour. I would get to log the entire 1.4. Carson would get uh, one hour of PIC time, one hour of hood time, Uh, And whenever I go fly with somebody, there's some interpretation of certain regulations that are conflicting. So I'm not going to say this is verbatim what what you're supposed to do. We really need to get a clarification from the FAA. But essentially, whoever's uh, flying, uh, logging the cross-country time, does not log the hood time. And you just switch off. So one person logs cross-country, one person logs the hood, but you both log total time. So you're still going to have to fly 100 hours per se, but you're going to need those hours for your your commercial anyways, right? So one of you logs 50 hours of hood, one of you logs 50 hours for cross-country, everybody's happy, everyone has all their instrument requirements done, and you got 100 hours for the price of 50 hours, right? So that's how you log the time, that's the most kind of simple way to explain it. Um, And if you have any questions or anything like that, you can always reach out to us after this, and I'll tell you what the instance is in your particular example on who should log what, and I'll tell you exactly how to do that. So just reach out to me, and I'm happy to help. Or better yet, you can even reach out to your flight instructor, ask them. But if they're confused, then reach out to me.
1: (laughs) If you're confused, I'm confused. So I'm, I'm I'm glad you finally talked about it because I've always heard you say, oh, it's a long answer. I've heard you say it so many times. So thanks for answering that.
0: And it is. It is the long answer. It
1: took me like four minutes to explain that. And I explained it in a simple way, I think. At least I hope that it was simple. It was. But now I can go back and listen to this episode anytime I'm confused and uh, hope other people do too. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Just re-download it every single
0: time, everybody. We're trying to get our downloads up, right? <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe. Exactly. Yeah, like and subscribe.
1: <laughs> so we, we talked about uh, flying in, in instant conditions. We've talked about time building. Uh, talked about flying with a CFI as a student pilot or in training. When else would it be a good idea for a pilot to have a co-pilot with them? Uh, there's a lot of good ideas
0: uh, <laughs> to have a co-pilot. Uh, first off, if you're flying instrument, notice how I had that instrument uh, conversation a few minutes ago. I mean, once he's almost ready for his checkride. Um, pretty soon he'll be ready for his checkride. I mean, he can execute approaches really, really well. Uh, my student did. So I would say in probably another five hours or so, he'll probably be ready as long as there's no regression, which there always could be. But I think he's getting closer and closer to that instrument check ride. So being even like a brand new IFR pilot, you should definitely have somebody with you who is IFR rated if you're going to fly IFR. Um, if you haven't flown IFR for a while, you may be current, but you're probably not as proficient as you should be, right? Uh, if you're going into like a brand new airport, uh, maybe a Class Bravo airport you've never been to, that's probably a good idea. But make sure that you just don't take two dummies, right? Have one person who's actually done it, done it before and who's who's gone there and done it. Granted, don't get me wrong, you can go to a brand new airport without somebody. Um, I've done it, I don't know, over 100 times. Uh, but it's always good. If, you, if you're a newer pilot, have somebody come with you. Uh, if you get, prepare for it, absolutely. If you go into a new airplane, one that you haven't flown before, uh, that's always a good idea. Absolutely take somebody with you. If you go on a new airplane, especially like a brand new make and model, uh, let's just say you've never flown a Cirrus before. You've never flown a Diamond before. You just flew 172s. Yeah, go get checked out by somebody. It might not be a legal requirement, but if you've never flown with a side stick or you've never flown with a stick in general and you go from flying a, a, like a control wheel yoke type of airplane to to a stick airplane, it's going to feel different. Um, once you get used to it, it, it feels like second nature, honestly. but those are big ones, right? Uh, or if you just haven't flown in a long time, that would be a good idea too. I mean, if you haven't flown in a while, uh, even if you are current, like I said, you still might not be proficient. So make sure you go talk with a a another pilot and have them come with you. It's not going to hurt anything. They're going to enjoy it, especially if one of you is under the hood, then somebody gets to log the time, right?
1: Yeah, you know, everyone always wants to fly. Uh, that's why we became pilots. We want to fly. And it's pretty easy to get someone to fly with you. Uh, just be a nice guy and just... Just talk to them. Uh, Everyone's easy to talk to in aviation. That's one of the best parts about this community. And flying with a co-pilot can lead to safer flights, can lead to more thorough decision making, and also a lighter workload, especially when you share responsibilities. And although it's not usually required in general aviation, having another pilot with you, unless you're really strong-headed like Brandon and Rich,
0: it's always a good idea. Yeah, I guess it is. Uh, (laughs) But even for me, um, or for Rich or whoever, you should always always bring another pilot around. It's always fun. I know me and uh, Anthony uh, at Stratus Financial. We fly together all the time and we enjoy having each other in the airplane and talking and we'll talk through different situations and it's always good to have another pilot. So make sure you go, go have that. And uh, I want to thank all of you, by the way. We looked up our, our downloads and we're approaching 25,000 downloads, um, which is incredible to us. Uh, we weren't sure if we would ever even get past 5,000 downloads, let alone 25,000. And I'm looking forward to 50, and I'm looking forward to 100,000. Those will all be fantastic. I know Carson's doing it, uh, and he, he's checking it all the time. And I know uh, Phil, our producer, uh, has been checking it out. Mm. So it's been very awesome, and, and I thank you all for, for, for downloading all of our episodes and listening to them. And I hope you're uh, having fun listening to them as much as we are uh, talking uh, during them. Obviously, you can tell some of the episodes were just really excited about the topic. Uh, Matter of fact, most episodes were really excited about the topic, but some more than others, obviously. So um, as always, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us at Twitter, Instagram at Mr. Martini Guy for me, or for Carson, it's at Carson underscore AV17. My email is Brandon at aviationmentors.com and Carson's at Carson at aviationmentors.com.
1: And as we wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. See ya.